So, uh, but welcome everybody. So good to see you all here today. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be looking there in just a little bit. Uh, so if you want to, you can turn. If you need a Bible, again, and you don't have one, uh, please take one. Uh, we love giving away Bibles, so take them as they're there for you. Uh, if you know somebody who needs one, as always, take it and give it away. Um, I enjoy buying Bibles. So I um, just want to tell you a story as you're turning there. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm young-ish, ish, depending on who you are, but there were younger days. There were younger days for both me and even Pastor Kevin. We go way back to younger days. He, he's older than me, so he had more younger days than me. But many, many moons ago in 2007, uh, Pastor Kevin and I, was, those were pre-Life Tree days, for the record. Pre, this, this didn't exist. Um, Pastor Kevin was working in South Jersey with his dad. I was working in Pennington, New Jersey at the time at a church. And uh, we had an opportunity uh, to participate in this sort of national program for youth pastors, which is what we were at the time, uh, to travel down to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, four times in a year and sort of get this training development experience. And uh, while we were down there uh, on this one experience, um, there was a, a trip. We took a trip to a place called Stone Mountain. Anybody know what Stone Mountain is in Georgia? Okay, it's a, it's a controversial location. Let's just say that. It's the, it's the largest exposed single rock, I think, in the country. Um, so it's this mountain outside in Georgia. And carved into the side of the mountain are, uh, I believe, three or four, I can't remember, uh, Confederate generals. So you can see why it's a little controversial. It's like this monument to the confederacies here. So people debate it, but, it's, but for good or for bad, it's there. And we were taking a trip there. And the purpose of the trip there was not to worship the confederacy. It was to, um, the, the one leading the, the trip there said, here, here's what I want you to see there. These men who are on this rock face here, whose, whose images are carved in there, their legacies are carved into that rock and unchangeable. For good or for bad, what they've done, it's in that rock, it's, it's there, you can't change the story. Their life is gone and done, and it is what it is. Whatever they stood for, that's their legacy. And, and the, cha the charge to us was, what kind of things at the end of your days do you want people to say about you? What do you want to be carved into your legacy? What kind of things do you want to be said of you? Right? What characteristics, what qualities? And so we were given little rocks, and they said, go and take this rock and write down anything you want on there and sort of be like a memento from the trip to remind you that these are the things you want to be known as. And so I was like, all right, this is kind of like silly, whatever, I'll go sit. So I sat, and I got the rock out, got a Sharpie, and I'm drawing on a little rock. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, and I wrote down a few words, and the words I wrote down, I wrote down the word, first word that came in, I was like, okay, God, if you got anything for me, what do I want to be known as? What? And the first word was obedient. We're, we're obedient. So I want to be known as somebody who's, who's obedient to, like, the, you know, to the will of God, to the word of God. I want to be an obedient person. I want to know that at the end of the times, like, what's the measure of life, right, that you come to the end and God says, well done, right, that I was obedient, right, good and faithful servant. Okay. Next thing, I, I want to be, I, was, I want to be excellent, I want to be excellent in all things. I want every, people to say, I did things with excellence. Like, I, I was good at those things. So, so excellence was the, the next verse. I wrote down excellent. Um, then I wrote, I was like, okay, what else? I was like, I want to be somebody who does things. I want to make a mark. I wrote, visionary. I want to be visionary. I wrote that word down. And I was like, all right, I think I'm done. I was like, I think I'm done. I think that's good. I'll be ex obedient, excellent, visionary. 
and I was just, just anything else, I'm just waiting. I was like, oh, I'm, uh, I guess I should be loving. So I wrote, I wrote like, the, it was like last. Like that was la- on my list, that's last. And for those of you who know me, no surprises. No surprises that that's the order in which it came to me. So obedient, excellent, visionary, loving. The reason I say that, um, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I'll get to it in a moment. Um, I still have that rock, by the way. It is sitting on my desk. I could have brought it here. I probably should have brought it here. But it's sitting on my desk right now in the office. And uh, you, can, you can go and I can show you that rock. And it's, it's because those four words have become something else to me now. Um, they have become sort of the, the defining qualities that I have arranged my life around. I want to be those things. But I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. This past October, as a staff, we took some time to go away and, and just prepare and plan for this year, 2024. Pastor Vic shared this last week. We pray about what season are we coming into, and God, what are you doing? What time is it? What are you doing in, this, in our lives in this year? Because God is a God of time. He understands what's happening. And, and listen, the calendar has certainly changed. What's happening now is, is not what's happening last year. What happened last year is over and done. It's a new day. God, what are you doing in this new day? And we and, and Pastor Vic revealed last week that we felt like God said to us this would be a year of wholehearted devotion. That's what this year was going to be. A year of wholehearted, that we were giving everything, all in, totally devoted to God. And that our key verse for the year would come from Mark, if you're there, Mark chapter 12, verse 28, where one of the teachers of the religious law there was talking to Jesus and, and saying, okay, of all the laws, of all the prophets, you know, 600 laws, Old Testament, you know, over that... God, right, Jesus, which one's the most important? And, and, he, and, and some people think he was trying to trick him. Others say he was actually genuinely curious. And he says, of all what are the most important? And Jesus re- replied, verse 29, he says, the most important commandment is this. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You find that in Deuteronomy 6. He's quoting that. It's called the Shema. He's quoting this famous passage in the Old Testament. In verse 30, he gets to this and we read. And he says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And that's our verse for the year, that this is what it means to be wholeheartedly devoted. It means to love God with all of you, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now, the reason this is, I told you that first story about what God spoke to me and what I wrote on the rock is because... After I returned from that trip, I, I, I kind of had that rock out, and I was like, okay, you know, God, what do you, was that just a weird little experience? Was that just a throwaway? Should I go skip this rock somewhere? Was that meaningful? And this verse came to mind. And if you remember, I got four words, and there are four words here. And I began to see a connection because the word heart, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, for me, that represented love. I think I have that slide. Do I have that slide? There we go. That love with all your heart. And obedience was to love him with all my soul. And, and vision was to love him with all my mind. And excellence was to love him with all my strength. That those things actually overlaid there. I need to be loving and obedient and visionary. Now remember, it came in the order of obedience, excellence, vision, and love for me. But you know, we put it in this order, heart, soul, mind, strength. But if you look at L-O-V-E, it even spells out love. Like, God's pretty cool. All I got to say is God's pretty cool. So this has become something that's become deeply personal for me and has taken on new life. And through the years, I've developed and thought about this personally. 
And as we were praying as a staff, we felt like God saying, this is the time for that. So this season is something God has been planting in my heart for, for, for some time, for some significant time. And throughout this year, we're going to examine what does it mean to love God like that? What does it mean to love God and be wholeheartedly devoted? And at the same time, I think what we're going to find out is that God is actually wholeheartedly devoted to us. This isn't just about what we are doing to God. Okay, God, it's time for me to give you all because all along God has been giving us all, everything. He loves us in every one of those ways. And Pastor Vic, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen. He introduced this last week and did a great job talking about this and looked at even that first, what does it mean to love God with our heart? So this, this week I'm going to look at what it means to be wholeheartedly devoted with our soul. And so you can see each week we're going to take one. So we're going to look at soul. What is, what is the soul? That's what we're going to talk about this week. What does it mean to love God with all of your soul. Like it's just like a, a vague kind of like mystical thing. What is the soul? Like, uh, uh, yeah, the Greek word in, in the Bible, Greek uses the word um, psyche, or it's P-S-Y-C-H-E, which we would say psyche, right? So you understand this, uh, this sense of the, the life within. It doesn't die with the body, this eternal sense that's in you. It's sort of like your essence. Uh, in Hebrew, we find the idea of, an, of the inner being, the inner person, Right, where your emotions and your desires reside. It's beyond your physical body. It's, it's who you are. Your soul is what makes you you. And, and for my purposes, for how I've understood this through the years, is the soul is your will. It's the part of you that nobody else can touch or can see, but it's that thing inside you that, that makes you you. So we're going to focus on the will and the part of the soul that influences our decisions. How many of you have heard of Viktor Frankl? If you've heard that name before, that name is familiar to you. Um, he was a Holocaust survivor, psychiatrist. If you haven't read the book, Man's Search for Meaning, put it on your list for this year. Like, you need to read that book. Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Victor E. Frankel. And as it relates to the soul, I mean, this guy, he went through stuff, right? He's seen some stuff. And as, he, as, he, as it relates to human soul, he said this. He said, a human being is a deciding being. See, that's what makes us us, is the power to choose, that we have a will, that we make choices. That's what makes us human. Sometimes we take that power for granted. Some of you didn't even, don't even consider that you have the power to choose. You just do it, and you don't think about it. You, we just make choices, because what we do, you, you, chose, you chose to come today. You have a will. There are clearly lots of people who didn't. <laughs> they chose not to go today. They're doing other things, right? We take that power for granted. Because of his experiences in Nazi Germany, he did not take that power for granted. And he wrote the following. He said this. He said, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one last thing the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. See, there's something inherent in the power to choose that makes us human. To not be able to choose, we cease to be human. If you don't have that freedom of will, see, our will is a gift from God. That's what you need to know. Your will, your ability to choose, that is a gift from God. At the very end of his life, just before he passes into eternity, Moses, 
right? Moses shared the following with all the people of Israel. He'd been leading these people out of Egypt, right? He's this, he led the people across the Red Sea, through the wilderness. For 40 years, they've been on their way to the promised land. And Moses says this, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. He says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and you will multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land. You are crossing the Jordan to occupy. So today, I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And he says here, you can hear the passion in his voice, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly, wholeheartedly devoting yourself to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's some pretty powerful stuff right there. I'm about to leave and I'm commanding you now. You have a choice. You can choose life. You can choose death. Blessings, cursing. You make the choice. You're making it. It's in your hands. Through Moses, God was communicating to his people some truths about our will. Here's what we need to know about the will. The power to choose comes from God. God gives it to you. I have given you the power to choose. He does not override our choices. I will not supersede your will. I will not make you do things. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. God will allow us to choose our own way, which leads to the second thing. Uncle Ben, to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. There you go. Our choices have consequences. You have the power to choose. It comes from God, but your choices have consequences. We can choose things that lead to life, and we can choose things that lead to death. You can choose things that lead to blessings. And you can choose things that lead to cursing. You have the freedom to choose. And all of heaven witnesses our choices. Isn't that wonderful? Your choices are on display for all of heaven and all the world to see. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You can't hide your choices. You may think you're hiding your choices. Nobody can see. Oh, no, there's a big screen. Somewhere they're all like, hey, you see what this guy chose? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. He chose to root for the eagles. How terrible. Right? What we choose is evident to everybody. So here's the point. When you choose, whatever you choose, do it boldly. You might as well own it because you can't hide it. The key to life is choosing to obey God. The key to life. This means God also has a will. That means God has a will. He has a, a preference for what choices you make. And his choices, his will, always leads to life. God's will for us always leads ends in life. The will of God, what God would have for you, always leads to life. Whatever God has for you, it always leads to life. 
And God's going to make it clear. The will of God is rarely a mystery. People talk, I don't know what the will of God is. Yes, we do. It's very clear. There's two aspects to the will of God, really very simply, if I break it down really simply, probably oversimplifying, but two aspects to the will of God. There's the known will of God and the revealed will of God. Okay, the known will of God uh, is, is everything we know. It's what's ever in the scriptures, what's ever in the word, whatever we know, whatever's concrete, it's in the Bible, it says right there. We know it's God's will. Should I forgive? I don't have to ask. I have to figure it out. He says yes. Should I fight for justice? You don't have to ask. It's in the book. Yes, you should. All the time. You know the will of God. Should I love my enemies? Yes, all the time. Should I tell the truth? All the time. These are easy. The known will of God. We know the will of God. It's right there. I don't have to ask. And then there's the revealed will of God. That's a little more where it gets gray, where I'm not sure what to do in this situation, where Scripture's a little more vague. I don't know what that means for me. It's a specific situation. God, what is your will in this situation? What do you want me to do here now? Should I take the job or not? Should we make the move or not? Is this the right relationship for me? I don't know. In those moments, what do we do? Because it doesn't say, hey, you know, here's the plan for your life. I don't know what to do. That's where the revealed will of God comes in. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. God says, hey, listen, in those moments, ask. I will make it clear. When you don't know, you can ask me and I will give you all wisdom. That's the revealed will of God, when to move, when to stand still, when to speak, when to stay silent. But here's the thing, all of that will of God always leads to life. It always leads to life. So, the good news, if you want to know the will of God, you can and you will. So let's just do that, go home, and we're done. Cut and dry, right? Like, this is easy. This is a pretty simple message, like, what's the problem here? History says not so fast, because shortly after Moses said to his people, <laughs> they rejected God and did what they wanted to do. They completely ignored it. They did the exact opposite of what he said. No, come on. Why you do that? Why wouldn't they do what leads to life? Why wouldn't those people? Immediately, Moses said, hey, you can choose life, you can choose death. I think I'll take that. Why would you do that? Why would you not do what God just said? It's the same reason today that people still reject God and do the exact opposite of what we know is right. Because sometimes our will is in conflict with God's will. We want something other than what God wants for us. We want to do things our way. I want to do what I want to do. We, won't, we, we know what God is asking, I just don't want to do it. Like, I, I'm, I'm, it's not that it's not clear. Oh, I know, I don't want to do that. I, just, just, just not, I, just don't, I just don't want to do it. See, sometimes we're sure God just wants to ruin our lives. He wants to steal all the fun out of life. Right? He doesn't want us to have fun. If we listen to God, he's going to ask us to give up everything we enjoy about life. He's going to ask us to change everything, to stop doing all the things we like, and we're going to have to live a very miserable life. I don't want that. Perhaps you've experienced this. You're busy, you're caught up in your day, and you haven't given any thought to what God would have you do. And along the way, you're just thinking about it, and you're like, you know what? If I ask God here, he might tell me something that I don't want to hear, so I'm just not going to ask. Because I can't disobey if I didn't hear it in the first place. So I'm just not even going to consider. Because like, So like, I don't know what the will of God is, and I don't care what the will of God is, and don't talk about it. I'm going over here. Don't even, just leave me alone. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Did God give us a will just to frustrate us? Did he give us a will? Why would he give us a will if he just wants us to do his will? 
Like it doesn't even make any sense. What's the point? What, why would God give me a will if the goal is simply to accept his? And those are really good questions. I think those are the questions that a lot of people really, that's where they get stuck. I have this will, and it's in conflict with God's will. And I don't want to do his will. So why would he give me a will only just to lay it down? Because then that makes me a robot. Why would I do that? Those are good questions, and they need answers. Let me tell you, when you need an answer, just look at Jesus' life. Anytime you come up against something and you go, I don't understand this, look to Jesus and see if there may not be some principle or example there that show us how to live. See, because when Jesus knew the cross was imminent, he spent time talking things out with God. (laughs) We're told he bowed his head and begged God the Father to come up with another way to save humanity. He's like, God, I don't want to give my life right now. I'd really like to do this some other way. Anything other than the suffering that you have ahead of me, I don't want to do it that way. I got a will, God. I don't like your will. I don't want to do that. This is in conflict. I'm having a problem here. I don't want it. It says, I don't want it to go this way. Is there any other way, God, that you can do this? And the way Jesus wanted things to go is not the way they seem to be going. See, Jesus was free to express his struggle, which means you and I are free to express our struggle. When we sense God doing something that's in conflict, we can say, I don't like that. You're allowed. You can say, I don't want to do that. You're allowed. You can say, that sounds terrible and like a horrible idea. God, I don't think you know what you're doing. God, I think I know better than you. I think there should be a lot of other options here, and I don't think that should be the only option. You are free to say all of that stuff to God. He's big enough. He can handle it. He's not going to be like, how dare you? Jesus did it. He's showing us we can do it. You can say, I don't like that. The thing is, Jesus didn't end there. Because then he modeled something profound. He prayed a very simple prayer, and it went like this. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And when he showed us how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Not my will be done. See, Jesus didn't abandon his will. He submitted it. And that's different. That's a huge difference between the two. If I demand that someone submit to me, that would be abuse. (laughs) I demand you submit to me, that's abuse. I would be taking their power to choose from them. I would be dehumanizing them when I take away their power to choose. But if they are free to choose to submit to my request, that's trust. That's trust. Jesus willfully, freely chose to submit his will to God's. That is choice. He was fully free, and he chose to trust. Here's the thing. God did not give you a will to frustrate you. Your will is a gift from God, and he is not asking you to give that up. He is not asking you to abandon your will. God's not saying, take your will and throw it out. It means nothing. No. He is asking you to entrust your will to him. And not just some of it, not just sometimes, not just when you're having a good day or a good week, or not just when it lines up with what you already want to do anyway. Oh, it's convenient. I like this will. I'll do that one. No problem. God, you got all of me here, over here, but I'm doing all of it over here, God. He says, all the time, everywhere, I want you to submit everything to me. That means all the time. 
I know all of you are like, oh, I, why did I come today? I don't want to hear this. This is la, la, la. Like, just get on your phone, play a game or something, do some Sudoku. It's okay. But if you're hearing it, God is asking us to submit all of our will to his. And here's the thing. If God is telling us that it's time to be wholeheartedly devoted to him, that like this year, right now, it's time. It's not because he's tired of us giving partial obedience. God is not tired of us. He's tired for us. See, he sees each time we do it, we choose to do it our own way. He sees each time we find ourselves at a dead end. He sees all the good that we forfeit because we're stubborn. He sees the cost to not only us but to others because of our disobedience. He sees the enemy delighting in our foolishness. He sees the frustration growing on us as we try harder and harder and try to push through doors that won't open because we want to do it our way. He's not tired of us. He's tired for us. Martin Luther said the will is a beast of burden. If God mounts it, it wishes and goes as God wills. If Satan mounts it, it wishes and goes as Satan wills. Nor can it choose its rider. The riders simply contend for its possession. The battle in your soul is not between you and God. The battle is between God and the enemy for your soul. That wrestling you feel is not a wrestling with God. It is God fighting for you. We think there are other pathways to life independent of God, that what we want will also lead to life, likely a better life than God would give us, and it's a lie straight from the enemy. There is no life apart from God. God is not tired of us. His patience is infinite. He is tired for us. He wants the best for us and has been trying to guide us in that way all along. See, ultimately, this is about relationship. Ultimately, this is about relationship. It's like manna and like wisdom and all those things we've talked about in the past. Everything else we need to turn to God for. The point is not to prove how big God is to satisfy his ego. The point is to bring us into relationship with him and see how much he loves us. See, God's got life for us. He's got life for you. And he invites you. He says, hey, trust me. I got life for you. See, here's the wild part. We don't have to be wholeheartedly devoted to God. You don't have to do this. Elizabeth Elliot said, What an amazing gift of grace. What a gift of amazing grace that the one who made me allows me to deny his existence. God, in his gentle, incredible goodness and wisdom and love, gives us permission to choose. We don't have to choose God, we get to. We get to. We don't have to. Now, for reasons only God knows, he has emphasized that now. Right now, 2024, it's time for you to love God with all your soul. It's time to surrender all of your will to his. Not just some, not just a little bit. All of it. Even those places you're pretending. I love my dad. He had some questions that made me angry. And he would, one of those was this. He'd say, what are you pretending not to know? <laughs> Am I pretending not to know? What are you pretending not to know? Are there times God is speaking to you and you are pretending not to know? 
God is saying, now is the time to love me with all of your soul. So what? So what does it look like to actually submit our will to God's? So what? When you know what's right, do it. Very simply. Nope, not yet. Go back one. Thank you. Just yet. Just wait. There we go. When you know what's right, do it. Remember that you are not choosing between what you want and what God wants. You are choosing between life and death, between blessings and a curse, between encountering the infinite love of God and missing out on it. That's what you're choosing. When you are choosing, it's not what I want or what God wants. You're choosing life or death every time. When you know what's right, do it. In every situation where the known will of God is clear, do it. And when you don't know what to do, ask, then do it. When you're not sure, when situations are sticky and complicated, when you don't have clear direction, look to God. Ask for his will. He'll give it to you. In those moments where you're like, I don't know what to do here, God, let me tell you, don't just do what you know to do. Pause. Ask. Say, God, help me here. I don't know what to do, and I want to be all in. I want to love you with all my soul, but I don't know how. God, give me wisdom here. Show me what to do. And then when he speaks, do it. And finally, pay attention to the moments where you sense an internal struggle. To the moments when you know what you should be doing, but your will doesn't want to do that. Pay attention. Those are battlegrounds. Those are the defining moments. Those will be the defining moments of this year for you. I can tell you right now, before it even happens, the defining moments of your year will be the moments you sense what God wants and you don't want to do it because that is the battle. Will you give God everything? Will you be wholeheartedly devoted or not? That's where it's determined. Will you have life or will you choose something else? In her beautiful book, Hind's Feet in High Places, author uh, Hannah Hernard prefaces the story with this insight into these very battlegrounds. She said, every acceptance of God's will becomes an altar of sacrifice. And every such surrender and abandonment of ourselves to his will is a means of furthering us to the high places which he desires to bring every child of his while they're still living on earth. Look for the tension. Look for those painful times because those are full of opportunity. Those are the moments where you can rise and actually declare faith and step up. Look for the tension. There will be many moments this year. There will be moments today in the next, there's probably a moment right now where some of you inside are like, I won't even listen to this right now. There's this internal, pay attention to those. Let them become altars of sacrifice, opportunities for worship. God, I lay down my will. I choose to trust you. I'm not giving up my will. I'm using it. I'm exercising it right now to choose to trust you. That's wholehearted love with all our soul. Throughout the first month of this year, we're going to have several opportunities corporately to set a foundation for this. 
Because this wholehearted devotion, listen, no matter how, how long you've been following Jesus, even if you're brand new, if you've never done it before, if you've been doing this for 70 years, there's always still parts of us that aren't totally surrendered to God. So we're going to say, hey, in this year, what can we do to, to serve notice to ourselves, to the enemy, to everybody else? I'm taking this seriously. I don't want to just go, that's nice, go home and go about my way and respond as if I didn't hear a single thing. If you want to take action, if you want to do something about it, we don't do a ton as a church in terms of outside activities. We do Sunday services, small groups, and community service. That's what we do, those three things. But this coming month, we're going to do a little more because corporately we want to get together and say, how do we agree together to say, this is what we're committing ourselves to. We want to take this seriously. We've got three opportunities coming up over this next month. Starting tomorrow, we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting. What that means is that we're asking. You don't have to. You have a will. You get to choose. But we're saying for the lunch hour, Monday through Friday, would you choose to not eat? I'm going to fast. It's biblical that there are times and seasons where we would not eat as a form of dedicating ourselves committing ourselves to seeking God. There's something about saying, I submit my body to my will, to God's will, because my body says, I'm hungry, feed me. There's something when we physically discipline ourselves that happens spiritually. Man does not live on bread alone. God, I trust you to be my provider. We're going we're gonna to fast lunch and take that hour instead, not just to work through it, but set aside that hour. Now I'm going to commit this to prayer. And if you'd like to join us at our office across the street, please come over. We're going to have time of prayer in our office there, and you can join us every day, 12 to 1. If you can't come, wherever you are, pause. If you're home, take some time. If you're at work, then you can go to your car or find a quiet place, go for a walk, do whatever. Take that time and say, okay, God, and there will be prayer prompts every day. Caitlin's got them ready. And so they'll come out on base camp, and so you'll see those every day. If you're not on base camp, write on your connection card. We'll get you on base camp. We'll get you connected. And we'll probably send them out. We'll probably do email, too, just for anybody who's not on base camp so you can participate. If you don't have an email, just put that on the connection card. We'll get it to you. This is not just a way to get your information. We won't email you after that, just to get you that information if you'd like. But that's one. Two, we're going to end this month with baptism. What better way to go all in? wholeheartedly devoted. I want to commit myself publicly in front of me. I'm not ashamed, God. I need to commit myself to you. Baptism is not a have to. It's a get to. Jesus was baptized again. Anytime you need to get a question, look to Jesus. He did it. Yep. Okay. Baptism is one of those known will of God things. I don't have to guess. Is it right for me? Answer is yes. Everybody all the time. If you haven't been baptized yet, what are you waiting for? I've yet to have anybody give me a good reason not to get baptized. Remember there was an old lady uh, in, in another church, older lady. She she couldn't get submerged underwater. She had all sorts of, you know, medic, medical things like strapped to her. So she said, but I still want to get baptized. So they put bags over it and they dumped a cup of water on her head. Whatever it takes, she was, it's not about the thing. It's about publicly saying, I want to let the world know I love Jesus and he loves me. So we're going to give you an opportunity. If you want to be baptized, you can sign up. We'll, there'll be an informational meeting the week prior, two weeks, and you can give you some information, doesn't commit you to it, but 
Maybe it's time for you to say this year, this is what it means for me to be wholeheartedly devoted. And finally, that next Monday, January 29th, we'll have a night of worship. We're going to spend extended time right here, God's presence. So God, I just want to acknowledge that you are good. I want to sing out to you. There can be time for singing, prayer. I really encourage you, don't come to that alone. Bring somebody. Bring somebody. Just one. You can bring more if you want, but bring one. But here's the thing. This is not like an extra little nice thing for those of you who are super spiritual. We're setting the stage for the year ahead and laying a foundation saying, God, I want to take you serious. I want to commit myself to you. And if, if, if the, the church is going to gather here, why wouldn't I want to be there? Why wouldn't I want to be among God's people, giving God the glory he deserves and saying, God, I, I repent for not being wholeheartedly devoted to you. But today, I'm going to do something different. So those are your three opportunities. I want to encourage you. Do it. Come to them. All right? I want to close with a prayer I found when I was in college. And it gave me so much peace about following the will of God. So would you just close your eyes? It was written by Thomas Merton. I'm going to, going to read this for you. Would you, just, would you just listen and receive this prayer? My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. Listen to this. He says, But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And as we're praying, if you're here today and you have yet to commit your life to the Lord, to accept that God loves you, to say, God, I, I want to commit myself to that. I've never given you my heart, God. I've never said yes to you, Jesus. I've never said I believe. If you're here today, you just feel like God has been doing something inside you. And you want to respond. You just say, God, I just want to say yes to you. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you today. I see those hands. Anybody else? Heavenly Father, you see us great, wonderful love. You see us. God, we commit ourselves to you. We say yes to you. Lord, I thank you that eternities change when we realize how much we're loved by you. 
we're not threatened into your kingdom. We're loved into it. That's all it is. You don't force us. You welcome us. You invite us. And so, God, today, we're just so grateful that we can receive from you and accept this love. How good you are. God, help us in this week ahead to surrender our will to yours. The second group I want to pray for, if you're here and you just say, I struggle to surrender my will to God, it's hard. I want to, but it's hard. And I need help. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you today. I just want help surrendering my will to God's. God, would you see our hands today? God, look around. We ask you for help. Holy Spirit, give us the strength we need, the courage we need, the faith we need, the discipline we need, all of it, Lord. When there's an enemy in our head saying, this way is better, would we recognize that that never leads to life? But only saying yes to you leads to life. May we choose life always, at all times. Remind us in those moments, may we turn to you. Holy Spirit, we, I know you'll be there. So see us, Lord. We welcome you into our lives and say, help us respond to you today. We surrender it all to you. In your wonderful